0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab number 148 for April 7th, 2008. (laughs) To the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. Of course, John Braun is here as well. Hi, John. Hi. How are you? Oh,
1: no, I've I've had such mechanical woes. (laughs) It's nice to be back in the digital realm, as it were. Yes, it it had to do with automobiles, but Uh, uh, suffice to say, the problem is solved. Yes, the vehicle is 15 years old, but I think I
0: will replace it, so... (laughs) You really Anyways. do hold on to things for a long time. Cell phones, computers, vehicles. It's just it's just in your nature. huh? To me, it's kind of a
1: I don't know. I'd say a geek thing or a hacker thing, but just, you know, I treat my machine well. It treats me well. And we have a relationship and then it breaks down and I have to find i have to shoot another- it. And for the most part, Apple products oh make me so happy, and like my car, which is dying now, which is a Saturn ninety four with two hundred fifteen thousand miles. Yes, <laughs> it's dying too. So <laughs> that's a that's a lot of miles, man. Anyways, oh this weekend, oh gosh, I I told you a bit about this, and then we'll move on. But I test drove a Infiniti G thirty five. Nice oh God, car is nuts. Wow, that's a step really up from your, your Saturn. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you're going probably above the posted speed limit and you don't know it so uh, anyways moving on to to things mac instead of things uh fun car but if you have comments on what you think i should get please let me know because <laughs> <laughs> i'm having fun i'm in the
0: test drive stage so it's a lot of fun that, anyways, that so. is that that's the best part any it, you know i it, Shopping for stuff like that is so much fun because you get to go and just drive all these cars or you know whatever it is, cars or computers or watches or whatever it is. When you once you finally make your purchase, it's like, oh, I, I'm I'm done shopping. Now I I just have it. You know, it's, but in it's this all, case, there's like a
1: competition. Hello, of course, dealer X. I'm looking at dealer I right. and, and Z, and so that's the thing. There's a lot of competition, and you know, interest rates are probably as good as they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, Moving on. Cool. So but we have Mac people with Mac problems
0: and We do. We have we have a lot of questions and basically a uh if there is such a thing, a normal show tonight. Uh all sorts of stuff. Talking about uh networking, uh some different time capsule things and time machine things, because that that's really a popular topic right now. Uh I've got a, a little story that I'll I'll share at the end about uh how I I finagled some technology to work and uh and really that's it. But the first thing we're gonna talk about is Ram and uh, and more specifically, well, you know what, we'll let we'll let Robert talk to us and then we'll read Adam's question and then we'll kinda we'll kinda roll it all into to one answer together. I think. There we go.
2: Hello, this is Robert Hiswig. Normally of New Jersey, but today I call for call you from the streets of Manhattan. Call you because I have a problem with a G5 iBook. It has one 1.8 G5 processor 2 gigs of RAM, it's running 10.4.11 and Creative Suite and Cork. It also is running suitcases, the network version of suitcases, X1. And the issue that I have with it is it's notoriously slow. It's dog slow. I've worked on faster G3s. Um, The system seems to start up okay. It doesn't matter what user I'm in, but eventually what happens is, is the system comes to a grinding halt as time goes by. For instance, when I was in the administrator, user, uh, I tried to copy a file, or a group of files, 30 gigs of files, and it got to about the ninth gig, or just under nine gigs. And then it stalled. It stopped. And it took about uh, 50 minutes to copy those nine gigs, which is way too much. I found that tool on it, came up clean. I ran uh, Disk Warrior on it. Had boot volume. Fixed that, but the the problem
3: persists.
0: Uh oh. And and his question starts to sputter out. You know, there's something wrong with FireWire on these Intel machines. FireWire audio on these Intel machines with uh, with um, uh, I don't know with ten five. I think. Let's see if we can hear the end of his question.
2: I don't know if it's bad RAM. I thought that tech tool would find that out for me. Don't know why it's running so slow, but would appreciate any insight you might have.
0: Thanks. All right. Uh, and then Adam wrote uh, For the first time, I need to ask you guys a question. I've got a MacBook Pro 2.4 gigahertz with 2 gigs of RAM running a fully updated Leopard. I'm finding my machine slowing down a lot when I have a virtual machine open with VMware Fusion or just leaving this combination of apps open for a long period of time, iTunes, Firefox, and Mail. According to iStat menus, I'm paging out even though I always have at least 500 megs of RAM free. Any ideas? Then he goes on to share an Apple Store story that we'll we'll read to you before we move on here. Uh, So in both of these cases, we've got users with... Apps open for long periods of time. Some memory hog apps, right? CS, Adobe CS, uh, Firefox, I know, kind of bloats up. iTunes can bloat up. Mail can bloat up. Certainly VMware Fusion can bloat up, John. Safari. So Well, Safari is the, the king of all bloatware, right? Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's important to note what the free RAM means. It, there, There are... The macOS 10 kind of lumps things into four categories, right? Active, wired, inactive, and free. Mm-hmm. Most of the menu utilities, like iStat menus or menu meters, add free and inactive together to find one number for free. And I think that's part of the problem here because you can have inactive RAM and still things will page out. For me, I found that two gigs of RAM. Having a lot of apps open uh, wasn't enough. I, and you can I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on what's going on here, John, but I, I think it's I think it's just neither one of these guys has enough RAM in their machine to do the things that they want to do without having to page. OK, I have thoughts. I'm going to share them with you. Right we, now. we should first talk about paging real quick, right? That That's when. Your system doesn't have enough RAM to hold. And this is a very watered down explanation. Your system doesn't have enough RAM to hold everything that you need in RAM. And so it saves some stuff out to the hard drive to make more room in RAM. When it needs the stuff on the drive, it pulls it in. That process of saving it out is called paging out and reading it back in is called paging in. So and it's obviously slower to read and write from the hard drive than it is to just have the stuff in RAM. So, okay, go ahead, John. All right. The one thing I have
1: to say is if you are not running an application, it benefits you so, so much to quit it because otherwise it's doing all sorts of things with the system. It may be well behaved, but still, if you're not using it, quit it.
0: I agree. (laughs) And I I know other people disagree, but I've always maintained that no Mac OS 10. Yeah, it's Unix. It's not built to Unix isn't built to have multiple apps opening and closing all the time it's built to have one app running and then that's it so uh you know it's you know it was built for as a server os so yeah i i I agree with you if you're not going to use something quit it let the let the system have the ram back it it will recycle it and use it eventually but you've got to give it you got to give it the resources to do that with
1: yeah, so that's my one big tip, and, and otherwise, it, it kind of bothers me because now that I have the nice, uh, you know, MacBook Pro with right. four gigs of RAM, everything is wonderful. Everything is awesome, and I would say probably the same case to a lesser extent on which is now my only um, Motorola machine, um, and I have on that I think uh, one and a half gigs, and every now and then'll it 'll do the wacky paging right in right out thing and that 's where one of the listeners when uh, i think Robert when he was saying um, talking about the machine seeming to freeze when I noticed this uh, his machine I think it was a g four although I think he said g five g four g five whatever but when you start getting to a point where you either get the spinning beach ball or if you are using, and in this case I saw it, and that's that's why I just want to bring it up again, and, and you know, punctuate this, is when you see the disk reading and writing. That's when VM is really, probably virtual memory is really in a bad state, and it's like I don't know what to do. I'm going to read. I'm going to write. You know, it's probably clearing things out. It's trying to read. It, the bottom line is, when the disk is involved in heavy activity, you can almost get nothing else done because it's it, it's one of the devices that, you know, rightfully or wrongfully so, has priority when it's asking the OS to do something. So,
0: uh, yeah, that that pretty much uh, I think that that covers it. Uh, yeah. So quit the apps. And if you can put more RAM in your machine, of course, uh, that, may, that may or may not be an option, depending on what machine it is. But, uh, yeah, to me, it sounds like both of these machines.
1: And make and take a look. Two is a borderline case, I think. But a good, I think in both these cases, we, we were talking not four gigs, but, but but even to me, two gigs. One gig, I would say,
0: is probably not a good size for Mac OS X. Well, just just two for example. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Two gig. I would say two gigs is a minimum. But even still, like right now, I've got Safari, Mail, Yojimbo, iTunes, Skype, Audio Hijack Pro open. That's it. And this machine was rebooted hours ago. This is the Intel iMac I have in the studio. It's got four gigs of RAM, but we've got just over two gigs free. So it's basically using two gigs of RAM right now. Uh, and and yeah, that's that is a lot of apps open, but. Uh, you know, it's not overloaded. It's all the things I need and nothing else. And maybe I don't need mail running right now. In fact, it'd probably be good if I didn't have it running. Uh, but but otherwise, it, you know, that's the stuff I need to do the podcast. And and there we are right right at two gigs. Now, it does say that there's, you know, 150 megs inactive. But that that's only inactive if the system can page it back in. It, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have it available at a moment's notice. So. Take a look at it. And you can see this in activity monitor, too. When your machine seems slow, look for that free number, because that's truly the number. Don't don't believe like menu meters. If you put it in the menu, it'll say it'll have one used and one free. But that free is a combination of inactive and free. And uh, and if you're free, you know, even if you're inactive, is it a gig and a half? If free is down at you know 20 megs, the system's going to be swapping in and out guaranteed. All right uh adam shared a a quick little story and then and then we'll uh we'll play uh chadwick's question uh adam plugged his macbook pro into several outlets and realized the machine was not charging it had four it had four hours before but just wasn't he made an appointment at the cambridge side galleria apple store took the tea didn't even have to wait genius was a very nice girl who was very knowledgeable and tested the power adapter changed it out for one of the new smaller ones and he, then he says, but this is where the awesomeness comes in. She noticed my battery was at a lower maximum capacity than it should be. After all, the machine plus battery was purchased in September when the Santa Rosa's first came out. And my maximum capacity was around 95%. So she gave me a brand new battery for free. I do not have AppleCare, but because my machine and battery were still in their one year warranty, boom, new battery. Excellent. Yep. A- AppleCare, it, it, you know, obviously he didn't need it at that point because he was still... Uh, under the warranty period, but it, it pays for itself. I, I've always found that to be true. So, uh, well, it sounds to me also,
1: this may be marriage material here. I mean, come on. <laughs> Realizing that, I mean, that is going above and beyond the call of duty, I think.
0: Uh, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's see what, uh, well, let's listen to this.
4: John and Dave, this is Chadwick. I just left the Apple store here in uh, Columbus, Ohio and uh, was, uh, just had an appointment with the Genius Bar and unfortunately they weren't able to help him with any of my issues. Uh, but the most important one that I wanted to ask you about was USB power. I just purchased a an, a portable hard drive that uh, if I plug into my right USB port, powers up fine, runs fine, everything's dandy. If I plug it into my left USB port as I'm looking at the machine, it uh, it won't power up. The the, the OS comes up and te- tells me there's not enough power to run this device. The device doesn't work. It doesn't mount. All that stuff. And uh, I asked a genius at the, at the genius bar, and they said, yes, the USB ports and the MacBook Pro should be identical and should be pushing out the same amount of power. And then when I mentioned that, well, they're not, he was like, well, it's not exactly the same, and so this one might have it a little bit less, and then so now the onus is back on the third-party um, hardware defender. and you know. Not-
0: I hate the FireWire audio on this machine. It's driving me crazy. Mm. We'll try this again. Here we go.
4: Back on the third party hardware vendor and you know not a very good answer in my in my opinion if it works on the right side it should work on the left if, if they're the same and he wouldn't help me at all the question I had was is there some way to measure the power output on those USB ports is there a little tool that I can buy or some such thing that I can plug in there that would let me know exactly um, how much you know ampage or watts or whatever it's supposed to be is being shot out of those ports okay, okay. well thank you and one other second Quick question. Um, I know you guys are big on Apple Care. I am too. They always do a good job. But what about Pro Care? you go to an Apple Store, you can for 99 bucks a year, you can do Pro Care, and they like help you do some different things. I know for a lot of us power users, it's probably not um, necessary, something that we would use. But maybe I thought it could be something you might chat about for some of the users that maybe don't know as much about their Mac. Pro Care may be something that uh, they might be interested in. Maybe worth $99. Okay, have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: All right, John. John. USB power.
1: USB power, and what we're going to say about that is, uh, I would agree with the statement. Th- well, let's start at the beginning. Every USB source has, uh, and every USB uh, source, uh, you probably say is a, a hub or a bus. And that's where you got to start when you think about How you think about power distributed among usb devices now the statement that was made i think is is more or less correct in that every usb port should have the same amount of power but for example in the case of uh, at least the macbook that i have when you go into um you know apple about this mac more info and then you get into the Uh, system profiler one category USB will show you several USB buses and the interesting thing here which is why you may want to be careful about where you plug in your device at least on this machine one of the USB buses which is one of the controllers on one side of the machine because I verified this I plugged in a device on the right and the left and it was different one bus has the eyesight camera in the computer on that bus so I believe it's on the right if you're looking at the screen so in that case, the, the bus has more power on one side than the other if you are using the camera or the device it, you know that's where I guess kind of and that's where I got kind of nervous about is there a way for you to measure the current now you got to remember the current is part of the equation that is used to compute power power is voltage times current so you have the current limit which is what USB devices report and for the most part that's a good metric but at some point, I would say even if you measured it physically, the thing is uh, what really drives the computer to provide or not provide power is what the devices say. So if the bus thinks it can provide amount of power and a peripheral thinks it needs something and it exceeds that according to what the device reports, then even if you measure it with a device like a you know multimeter, or ammeter, I think you probably – fiddle with one of those, Dave, like I did back in our, you know, days of, you know, trying to understand and fix and hopefully, you know, repair electronics. Right. But anyways, um, I would say if the device says no, think of an option or get a powered hub. And I think that 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 was part of where this question was going is, or if it's not, you know, power the hub and then you eliminate that restriction where the, the device has to be on the bus or powered by the bus.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It it is strange that that the keyboard would I mean it I think it's just one hub, right? In in the keyboard. So it's strange that one port would do do it and another wouldn't, but like you said, it it who knows how it's how it's wired in there and and why that is. I did find uh at a site called ultramobilegeek.com an article from last February or a year ago February where someone had actually built a a box where you could hook up uh, a a uh, You know, a a little meter, a multimeter up to uh, your USB port effectively and see what kind of power it could draw. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Again, like John said, I don't think this is really valuable because it's not going to it's not telling it that it needs to draw anything. So I I don't know if it's going to get you what you want, but certainly fun for any of you, uh, any of you geeks out there. Now, about uh his do are we good with that John? Can we move on to his pro care uh question i think okay yes. My feeling with pro care is I know in some very busy cities uh especially New York and San Francisco, the only way you're going to get an appointment at the genius bar uh is by having a pro care card you get you get advanced access to to those appointments and that sort of thing, and from what I understand it's near impossible to get those appointments any other way. Now, the way I look at it is this. A Mac in New York, uh, in, in New York City, costs the same as it does in, uh, y- you know, Kalamazoo, right? Or, or, or anywhere else. <laughs> and, you know, the cost of living in New York is higher. So add 100 bucks onto it. That's the price of your computer. Now you can bring it to an Apple store, and you're good to go. Uh, that, you know, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. And whether that's, you know, whether you like it or not, that I don't know.
1: That's- i got to say, the only good news is... I, I still believe Apple Fifth Avenue, the the Cube, is the only twenty four seven store. Is, is that correct? I, I think that's correct.
0: I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah. Have you for hey, now? Have you been there at three in the morning? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> have you? <laughs> no, I've never. I've actually never been to that one. Uh, they, they actually. I was in New York last week for the first time since it opened. I hadn't been in Manhattan in in quite a while, so. And they have three now, I think, in New York City. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All Uh right. Uh, Our first sponsor for this show is Smile on My Mac with their product Text Expander. We've talked about Text Expander before. It is a product that I use constantly. In fact, while John was talking there, I was actually using Text Expander to build links into the show notes. uh, The device uh, that that usb multimeter power draw measuring device uh i wanted to put the link there and with text expander i was able to pull in their html library and what text expander does is it lets you type a text shortcut for something that would be a much bigger piece of text so for example i wanted to build uh an href link so instead of typing open bracket a space href equals quotes and then putting the link in quote closing quote and then open bracket slash a close bracket. I just type comma a and bam, it populates the whole link, puts my cursor right between the two quotes. I can paste in the, uh, the URL and I'm ready to go. It totally saves. And of course you can use the libraries that they provide, uh, HTML. They've got some auto correct libraries, kind of like the ones in, uh, in your favorite word processors out there, but you can have them for email. You can have them for anything, uh, you can also build your own. So if, for example, you have an email signature that you use a lot, you can do that. You can, of course, you can have it trigger an Apple script uh, and, and do all sorts of different things. Really, really cool. And uh, it's Text Expander. It's available for twenty nine ninety five dollars 95 from SmileOnMyMac.com. And as long as you have Tiger or better, you're good to go. Of course, they have a free trial. So check it out. SmileOnMyMac.com. All right. Uh let's let's talk about networking, shall we, John? And uh let's hear what David has to say cuz this is kind of weird. And I think I think we're going to I think we're going to have some different ideas about why this is happening. It's just a just a hunch.
5: Hey John and Dave, this is David calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. Love your show. Keep up the good work. Got a quick question for you. I have shared computers showing up in my finder. Uh, obviously neighbors computers or something showing up and I was wondering how do you remove them I don't see any way of removing them they connect to your computer and there's no way of forcing them to disconnect um, I don't have any shared things turned on so from a security standpoint I think there just must be uh, mooching off of my uh, wireless connection since I don't have WEP or WPA turned on I just hide my SSID and use Mac address filtering um, However, they are showing up as shared computers on my network, so I was wondering how you get rid of them, if there's a way. And secondly, uh, a simple question in mail, when I just go and, copy paste uh, a hyperlink from Firefox real quick into an email I want to forward along the link is not activated I have to go up into the tools and you know highlight it and make hyperlink and that's kind of a tedious process so I was wondering if there's a shortcut that I'm not aware of of just simply getting an active hyperlink in a mail uh, in an email and so uh, if you give me those two answers would appreciate it keep up the great work look forward to listening to your future shows
1: thanks David uh, I got number one. Okay, go. Okay, so if you don't want to see the shared computers, then what you want to do is in Leopard, you go to Finder, Preferences, Sidebar, and then click on Bonjour Computers, and they will go away. All right. <laughs> the only problem I have with o- the next okay is it <laughs> solves... The problem, but not, to me, the issue. Would you, would you agree,
0: Dave? Oh, yeah. I the mean, I was the question
1: was, how can I not see these things? And that answer technically. addresses the question. But I think it hints at a whole ugly
0: underlying issue. Yeah, I I I wouldn't necessarily be happy with that as as our standing answer and moving on. But but you're right. <laughs> Technically, it addresses it. The other way to do it of course would be to shut his computer off. He would he wouldn't see him then either. Right? I mean, you know, if you want to get technical. I'm I'm I'm
1: kind of at a loss though because from what I understand this is buncher which is one of those zero conf right? You know, kind of nice and easy ways to network on the same subnet so that if if you see a machine nearby and you want to do things, the assumption if they're on the same subnet, it's probably somebody I trust and then you can do interesting things, but I I I'm at a loss and and I I beg to our listeners because you are so Good to us, especially with iTunes comments and all that, but also with tips. But how do I uh, – I, I did a quick search, and I couldn't find a way short of turning off networking, which I think you mentioned, Dave, but uh, that's not very elegant. No. How do you hide the bonjour or zero con for whatever you want to call it, rendezvous? Sorry. That, yeah. that's, that time has passed. But how do you shut that off? Because the thing is – I was just, and, and you were probably, you, you were traveling recently. If you're at an airport, I was in an airport. And if I go to Bunchur or just, you know, networking on my, my brand new machine, but even not my brand new machine, my old machine, I would see so many machines connected because the nature of the protocol is I'm going to say hi to everybody if I'm on a subnet that is, you know, close by.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, take at face value what he said. He has his SSID hidden, which means that you would have to use something like, uh, you know, iStumbler to, to find the network. And then he's got Mac address filtering on. Now, the way I understood it, Mac address filtering doesn't let the computer even connect. So if if you have Mac address filtering enabled and you have it properly enabled, the only computers that can even connect to your wireless network are those with your Mac address. Now, it's possible he's got a lot of really, really smart and, and you know, kind of sinister neighbors, and they've figured out what his Mac addresses are and, uh, and spoofed them so that they can join the network. But bleh, that's a stretch, right? So, either he doesn't have Mac address filtering turned on properly, or Mac address filtering doesn't work the way we think, but I'm pretty sure it does because I've used it, or... The machines that he's seeing in his list there are shadows of machines that he has seen in the past, but aren't really there. Mm, good one. Uh, so it's got to be it's got to be one of those three. And I'm leaning toward the last one only because I'm, I'm just taking the, uh, the, the the rest of it at face value. Now, you can turn off. I, we, we did a little searching before the uh, before the show started here, and we found a, a link somewhere here of how to disable bonjour and it's using uh launch d and and you you go to uh the command line and and launch control or launch ctl space unload and then the uh path to the mdns responder plist file which mdns responder is the system service that's responsible for bonjour so if you turn that off it's possible those things would disappear but I'm not even convinced that that would do it. I, I've seen this in hotels and I've also seen it here. In fact, we've had a lot of people write in and say, yeah, you know, sometimes the computers and, and shared drives and all that on my network appear in that magic little list on the finder. And sometimes they don't, you know, it's, it, it's like the old almond joy commercial, but you don't know when. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, But, but if you go to the finders go menu and you go to connect to server and you choose browse, that is an active browse of what's happening on your network at that point in time. So the, 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 as, as I'm talking this out here, the, this, the step that I would ask David to perform is do that, go into the finder, go to the go menu, go to connect to server and then click the browse button that and and then wait about 30 seconds for cuz that list may change. I've seen it repopulate itself a couple different ways. Wait until mm-hmm. it stops. If you see things out there then, then they're actually on your network. If you don't, then the stuff in the sidebar is shadows and that even still I'm not sure how to get rid of, but at least mm-hmm. at least we're heading we're honoring the troubleshooting process here, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And in general, you want to go to just to make sure you're not sharing anything you shouldn't. Right. Go to system preferences, sharing, and everything on the left, at least with Leopard, make sure it's not checked. And if it's checked, make sure you don't share it with more people than you, you really want.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, it, the Real quick, the, the second part of his question was uh, when pasting a link into mail, it doesn't appear as a link. You've got to go and fight with it. My hmm. experience is, if you just want to send send plain text email, go ahead and paste the link in. I often enclose it in brackets, uh the things above the period and the the comma on a standard Mac keyboard because that is uh per the RFC that that says when you're sending plain text email and you have links in there, put the stuff in brackets and and then you you should be good to go. Uh you know, in theory the the receiving client will know not to break that up and and it should work. If you send it out that way, The receiving client, even though you haven't gone and made it a link, the receiving client will see it as a link. I do it all the time and I don't have any problems with it. In fact, if I were to send an email to myself that way, and once I received it, I would see it as a link too. It just doesn't activate the link while you're typing. So I I don't think you need to drive yourself crazy. Try it a couple of times, but but, uh, I'm pretty sure you'll be all right with that. For those of you that want to call in, we should do this now, John, right before we get to the end and we've forgotten. If you want to send in a question, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can email us, right? Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can Skype it to MacGeekGab. And somehow the Skype to uh, our voicemail link has gotten a whole lot better in terms of audio quality. So I'm really happy about that. And then the last way, John, is they can call in. And the number is? (laughs) What is it? Oh, 206-666-GEek, which is? yeah four three three five. So two oh six 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 four three three five. And uh and with that we'll move on to James.
4: Hello Dave and John. This is James Taylor calling. Long time listener, first time caller. I knew I loved your show when I first heard the band. By now I know you guys are tired of repeating yourself about networking, but my problem is really simple, I hope. Tell me how to reset the network settings to start over with my connection with my two Macs. I have a Mac Mini and an iMac, both pre-Intel, both on a router. Sometimes I have connections, sometimes I don't. My Mac Mini sees the iMac, but my iMac don't see the Mac Mini. And how does AppleTalk fit into this equation? Thanks for your help and most of all, don't wanna get caught. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right uh again i think we're going to take some of the advice from the last question and and roll it forward here go to the uh the the finders go menu if from the machine that won't see the other one go to the finders mm-hmm. go menu choose connect to server and you can do one of two things you can browse from there to see if it appears if, if it doesn't type in afp for apple file protocol i think a F P colon slash slash and then the IP address of that computer. And if you don't know the IP address of it, go on over to it. Go into System Preferences Network, and it should tell you what IP address you're uh, you're you're your set up as. Type that IP address in, hit Connect, and in theory, it should pull up the uh, the the server. If it doesn't, then that means you've got something more than just you know some weird bonjour uh, strangeness. If if pointing directly to it doesn't solve it, you, you, then either a firewall is turned on, right, or or something's not showing up right. Uh, some service isn't running right, and uh, and there's various things you can do to, to fix that, right? The first would be going to system preferences sharing and turn file sharing off and then turn it on and see if that kind of, you know, rebuilds things. Uh, you got any thoughts about that, John?
1: At the very least, I would make sure that when you go to the system preferences and you say sharing is that on both machines, at least at the very least, the same things are checked. So you can – because it sounded like there was a mismatch between this machine sees this one, but this doesn't see that one. So that could be a cause. Yeah. Just that you have a checkbox checked or unchecked that uh, you didn't mean. So
0: place to start. Yep. Uh, The other thing I've seen Bonjour uh, get happier uh, if you go and rename both computers, which I believe is in the sharing preference pane, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If you go into the sharing preference pane at the top, it says computer name, change it to something else and uh, and then close out. That should force it to re-announce itself on the Bonjour network. And uh, and that may may or may not do it. I you know. Hard to say,
1: and sadly, some sometimes in the computer world, just turn everything off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Just turn it off. I'm Go outside. everything. <laughs> power up. Outside. And actually, I'm, I would say though, though actually, I don't know about you, Dave, but my advice would be to start with, you know, the uh, maybe routing or network equipment before the computers. I don't know your thoughts.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, cycle power on that stuff and see if uh, see if anything. Let it up. settle, let it do its thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to bring this up because James asked about it. He said, Where does Apple Talk fit into all this? And the answer is nowhere. Apple Talk is a deprecated protocol. It's not used anymore. Uh, TCP IP has replaced it. It, it well, was. Unless, unless you have over, an. Over TCP,
1: I, I would say. It's still a protocol, but at a higher level.
0: So it's it's not totally dead, I hope. Because it's so no, no, nice. no, dude. It, it's the same. It's, it, it, it doesn't go. You don't have Apple Talk over IP with this, do you? I'm, I'm pretty sure Apple Talk was its own protocol, did not require IP. And well, it can be, yes.
1: But I think you can also tunnel it through IP. So it's, it's at different levels. Real? I'll find the article.
0: I, I I know you can tunnel Apple file sharing over IP, but hmm. I didn't think you could. I mean, I thought Apple Talk was just its own protocol. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from what I'm reading here on Wikipedia, as I'm skimming and talking at the same time, you've got AFP, the Apple filing protocol, which can go either over Apple Talk or over TCP IP. But uh, I'm pretty sure... Apple okay. talk in and of itself was just a protocol and that's it now. Yes. Right. Is that right? I think it is. Go. Someone out there will correct us if we're wrong or correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong. John, John, of course <clears throat> may, may have the, uh, the right answer on this one. If there are like old printers and things like that, that didn't support TCP IP that support only Apple talk. And that's why that checkbox is there. You can turn on Apple talk on whatever interface <laughs> you need that to work on. And then, If you've got like an old, old, old laser writer or something, uh, old, old serial, Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Well, and then (laughs) there was the local talk cabling, right? And Apple talk used to talk over local talk and we could do that with the phone net connectors. remember that Dave and I are tumbling back into the past. That's right. We we better stop this quick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, why Why don't we tell them about our second sponsor for this show? Audible is our second sponsor. And, uh, and we talked about a couple of books, John. The uh, the first one now with Audible, you are able to if you use the audiblepodcast.com dot com slash macgeekgab link, you get a two week free t- trial of Audible Listener Gold. But in addition to that, you get one free audiobook. And so, you know, John likes to uh, to find us an audiobook. Now, go ahead and, and tell him the first one that uh, that you found. The first one, really? Yeah. Go ahead, just quickly. Yeah. Well. I really
1: like um, some of the stuff for the younger crowd sometimes. But, uh, oh, my gosh, where is that? I can't find it. Where is it? I think it was, uh, I'm sorry, Curious George. He's our friend. He is. It's a good book. Uh, yep, and he's a monkey. He's curious. But then we were getting onto something that maybe would, because it's a relatively short title, but then we found something, hey, you know, we've got some titles here with Audible that are, you know, quite Substantial, and and what we found and Dave and I think agreed on is Ender's Game, Ender's Game, and they have a special 20th anniversary edition unabridged that I'm just looking here and and length 11 hours, my goodness, but this is, you know, if you ever ever played video games, maybe this is a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much further we want to go with this, but it's it's someone who crosses the world between video games and real life, and it's just I think a very very good. Um, classic sci-fi novel that uh, you're going to get bang for your buck here because it's uh you know, it's, it's long, but
0: it's uh, I think it's worth it. Yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic story. Uh, it, very hard to describe in, in, you know, two minutes here, but uh, it, it's certainly one of my favorites. I had never read it growing up and and actually my wife, Lisa turned it and turned me onto it when we were dating back <laughs> whenever that was 15 years ago or whatever. And, uh, and and then I wound up reading every book in the series. Orson Scott Card did a fantastic job with this series, and uh, and if you haven't read Ender's Game and you're into sci-fi and and just the whole psychology behind uh, behind the human race, really, and 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 all of that, it 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 speaks to so much. In fact. Much of what's going on in the world today uh, is kind of echoed in 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 this book, even though it was written many many years ago. So, definitely a good a good read and a good listen. Uh, so, there you go. Audible dot com, dot com slash MacGeekCab. That will get you your free audio book, and that free audio book could be Ender's Game for you. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, move, moving on to at? to Bob. Which one from Bob? Oh, the time machine oh. question. Talking about time machine, we love time machine. I, you know, let me stop right here. Do we? I, I said we love time machine. You know, I really do. I, I mean, this thing, it's 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 a huge it technology. Works. What's that? When it works. <laughs> uh, you know, I I haven't had any problems with it other than when. I You know, I've rolled a couple of machines around lately and, you know, if you reinstall an OS or something like that, then you've got to just start over with your time machine backup. But aside from that, I haven't had any problems with it. My time capsule has been working great. Uh, granted, I'm doing everything right by the book by Apple. I'm not trying to do the whole Air Disk thing or anything, but it is fantastic. I, I just I don't worry about it anymore. All my machines are backed up. Anytime I need to restore something, I can just pull it out of the air. It, 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 I I love it. So uh, th- there you go.
1: That That's my endorsement. Well, well, I like Time Capsule, and actually I did a little over the weekend. I did a little uh, handbrake uh, action. Okay. And uh, with the 802N yeah. and the MacBook, I was able to uh, stream. So the Time Capsule is almost like a little stealth media server. Kind of. Yeah. If, if you want to put a movie or two on there. It's a file server. I wouldn't call it a media server. Yeah, a fi- file server. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah. I opened the movie with, you know, QuickTime, played yep. it, yep. saw it. It was streaming. You know, the bandwidth of the end is enough to keep up with streaming on a reasonable yep. uh, video file. Um, but it was fun. Cool. To be able to do that. So, uh, so it's, uh, I'm very pleased with the uh, time capsule. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a remarkable device. Absolutely. All right, Bob, we'll uh, b- back to you.
3: Hi, John and Dave. This is Bob from Santa Barbara. I have a question about time machine. Um, after our hard disk, uh, the time machine disk gets filled, what do we do? I mean, I know if you have a time capsule, like you can plug another disk into it, but does it continue backing up from where the original disk started? Uh, I think I would rather, I don't have a time machine, I think I would rather take my hard disk, uh fill it up, I don't want to fill it up all the way because I think you're not supposed to fill a disk to capacity, right, uh, disconnect at the end, put a new one on and save the old disk someplace, in, you know, in case of fires and, 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 and theft and such, and start again. And if I do that, can I at a later date plug the old disk back in? and? Will time machine be able to recognize it and go back into that disk? How does all that work? No one's explained that to me yet. Thanks. hope you guys can.
0: Uh, Okay, so we've got to unravel this whole thing here. First and foremost, time machine will not overfill a disk. Uh, The way it is built to work is when you hit the capacity of the drive that it is backing up to, It will go and delete older backups, and and that's how it works, right? Time Machine: the first thing it does is it goes and backs up everything. Then the next time it comes through, it backs up just those files that have changed, but it doesn't overwrite the first things, right? So you've got this this rolling uh, archive of everything and all the changes that you've ever done, right? And and it's
1: I have to say, in theory, in theory, yeah, we haven't because you and I have not yet seen. Either of our installations, I don't think you have, I have not, reached the limit. No. So in theory, what you're saying makes perfect total sense in that if the backup utility is aware of the capacity of all the devices and they don't change and nothing weird happens and nobody else is taking up space. Well I'm waiting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I I think it I think it'll know when it you know, when it hit it It's always going to look and say how much space is free on this device right now, the moment it starts the backup. And and at that point, it decides, OK, do we go and erase older things first or do we have enough room to back up the things that I know I need to go and back up? Uh, and of course, it does hourly backups every day. And then once a day, it, it kind of consolidates all of those. It takes the most recent one from the day and calls it that day and drops all the hourlies. So it already is rolling stuff out. And once a week, it drops all the days, consolidates to the most recent for that week, and flushes Mm. everything out. Once a month, it does the same thing for all the weeks, flushes it out, calls it a month. And then the months are just archived until you don't have room for that anymore. Uh, In theory, I've still got about 300 gigs left on my terabyte drive, and I've got a lot of uh, backups on there. You know, all the machines that I've rolled off, uh, I've saved super duper images of it. Just, you know, bam, archive it out there. You got it. And I've used them, I trust them to an extent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I've, I've used them. I've, I've gone back. And in fact, uh, Lisa's machine, I didn't do a super duper. I just had the time machine and she needed to pull something off. And so it just like opened up the disc image, went and navigated, pulled the file out. Good to go. No problem. So, and the thing is,
1: although it's, uh, you know, it's a pain to think about this, even though you have a backup like time machine or time capsule and you trust it, doesn't hurt to make another secret backup somewhere else. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, I, you know I, I, you know, and that's the reason I loved and uh, you know, we can reminisce a bit, but I love zip disks because they were just about the right size, at least at that point in time. Right, hundred megabytes, you know, bigger than a floppy, smaller than a, you know, Bright CD box. or a CD-RW or a DVD or whatever, whatever, you, whatever the kids use these days. <laughs> what do you have dual layer right now so what yeah. eight eight gigs you're yeah, talking uh,
0: now yeah something like that
1: yeah but i've been seeing some cool stuff optic cubes and uh yeah a lot of optical stuff yeah. i think we're gonna have a have a lot of fun
0: all right are we ready to go on to marlon's question here or do, do we i think we i think we you, unraveled bob right we're, we're good with bob i think so I. okay let us know bob all right yeah keep us posted bob
6: Hey John Day, it's Marlon again. got to talk a little quicker. My cheap cell phone, not an iPhone, dropped out again. Um, I've got a MacBook running 10.4. I just bought a time capsule. I'm looking to upgrade to 10.5, and I wanted to know, I've got about 200 gigs backed up of movies, of my own movies backed up onto the time capsule and I wanted to know about that initial drive sync. Is that gonna wipe out everything that I have on there? Should I then I do have a external firewire drive hooked up to it also, so I'm wondering if I need to put everything on that and keep the well, a time capsule, keep it clean and fresh until I get ten point five. I'd be glad to know. Thanks guys.
0: So Marlon is doing something interesting, John. He bought the time capsule before he was able to run time machine. So he's just using it presumably as a wireless base station and, as he indicates, a network storage device. And he's just been dumping movies out to it. Mm -hmm. When you do a backup to a a, a drive for time machine, either one that is connected to your machine or one that's connected to, you know, a time capsule, a network uh, backup it does not wipe out the drive. If it's one connected directly to your machine, it creates a folder called backups.backup DVDB. And then inside that folder creates another folder for the disk that you are backing up or the computer that you're backing up, excuse me. Uh and then it and then folders in there for the any of the disks that you're backing up that are attached. With the uh time capsule, it goes and creates a disk image on the root level of the drive. And then within there, uh, folders and, and, and everything uh, just like the other way. So no, it's not going to wipe out the device at all. Uh, if and if you've already used some space on it, that's fine. It will dynamically deal with that, presumably as we just discussed. So, I, I think I think he's fine. Did I did I get that right, John? I'm with you, brother. Okay. <laughs> you got anything to add? Because I I have a cool story to tell, but I don't want to I don't want to cut uh, our our discussion of Marlin's issue short. John, brother. All right, hang on. I needed to wet my whistle. So mm-hmm. I, I've, I've mentioned, you know, I'm not much of a gamer. Uh, the one type of game that has always kind of, uh, when I was a kid, of course, when, when, when you and I met, uh, and even in my teens, I played a lot of games. I like the adventure games, uh, you know, Zork and Ultima and all sorts of stuff like that. Castle Wolfenstein, Choplifter, right? All that stuff. Mm-hmm. But in my in my uh, adult or semi-adult life, I, the, the only kind of game that I've really ever uh, enjoyed is flight simulators. And it largely because I by I, uh, I, I've flown planes a little bit in the past, not not much, but uh, a little bit. And I've enjoyed that and would would love to get more into that as I, uh, you know, later on in life. So but I really like the flight simulators. Ten years ago, uh, we were living in Texas and for Christmas, Lisa gave me. A CH Products uh, yoke with the the, the the throttle and the rudder pedals. And it was great. You know, awesome. Now, this was for a Windows, a Windows machine at the time, and it had those little game port adapters, the 15-pin uh, game port connector. That's how it connected up to the computer. Well, recently, largely because of my brother, uh, I've gotten back into playing X-Plane. And I had a copy of X-Plane 7 just got a copy of x plane nine from the folks at laminar research if you're an X and I'll, uh, this is an aside here, but if you're into flight simulators and you've seen x plane seven maybe in the past, upgrade to x plane nine the scenery is absolutely stunning totally blew me away the first time I launched it absolutely fantastic well worth the whatever it is the eighty bucks to to get a copy of x plane nine so uh but you know, I so I started playing X plane. I thought, well, I'll go out and you know I'll spend fifty or sixty bucks and get a flight stick. But you know, right over here outside of the studio, I have kind of this this area of of old, uh, you know, the, the graveyard of of computer hardware, if you will. It's it's sort of in the top of our our garage, the unfinished part. And uh, and I'd always look over and see this old CH Products flight stick, and I started thinking, you know. There's got to be a way. It would kill me, It'd kill me not to use this cuz this is like the best thing to use. It's it's the thing they still recommend except it's got a game port. So I wrote to the folks at CH products and they said, "Yeah, listen, you know, that thing's 10 years old. Uh it it's it's outside of its service life. You need to buy you need to buy a USB device." And I thought, "Yeah, there yeah.
1: has to be somebody on their staff, some hacker, some
0: poor soul in the basement that can sympathize with your I I think they sympathized, but they didn't have any answers. And so, in fact, I had asked them, I said, you know, there's got to be an adapter out there, a game port to USB adapter. And they said, no, it won't work with that stuff. Look, you just got to buy a new one, buddy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't really, I can't really, you can't blame them. 10 years, right? I mean, come on. So, all right. Well, I found, I I was searching on some, you know, Malaysian website or something and found this device called the Super Joy Box. Now, they make a couple of them and, uh, (laughs) And so I need two right because because I, I have the thing super for the joy right, so I have the thing for the 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 yoke uh, which has the throttle on it, and then the rudder pedals, which also has toe brakes, so I needed a connector that would let me connect two game port adapters up to the machine, and so I found they have the super Joybox box six, which 'll let you do two, and then the super Joybox box eight, which'll let you do four, and uh, oh, yeah. the, the super joy box six wasn 't in stock. So I was like, okay, you know what the super Joybox box eight it was like fifteen bucks. It was $5 to do slow boat shipping. I couldn't justify doing, you know, $15 fast shipping because I didn't think the thing was going to work. But I had to know it was worth a $20 investment to find out. So I wait and I wait and like two weeks goes by and finally it shows up like, all right, woo! you know, I got to try this out. I plug it in. I fire up X plane and it works basically flawlessly. No, all all the control surfaces are fine. Some of the buttons don't map quite right. And I'm trying to see if I can use USB overdrive or something to uh, figure it out. You know, it's got it's got a bunch of buttons on it, but it only reports four uh, buttons back into the machine. And then if the other buttons are cords of the first four, so one button might be one and three, another might be one, two and four. And, and that sort of confuses X-Plane. But you know what? It's totally enough to fly the plane. Lots and lots of fun. I've been very, very happy with it. Uh, and, you know, in my free time, quote unquote, uh, I've, I've been able to, uh, to, to you know, to, to have some fun with this. Practicing, you know, uh, uh, ILS landings and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> A happy geek ending. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. But, it, you know, it was, I was so happy when I plugged in that thing and it just worked. I was like, no way. You know, because I had the controls and it was. Oh, I was like, dude. So, uh, so if you have an old game port, uh, stuck in your basement or stuck in your attic, uh, it it might actually work for you. You know, it's worth it. They'll put a link to the super joy box eight and, uh, you never know. You never know. So, you know, Mm -hmm. trust your, trust your geek instincts on stuff like this because, uh, it could, it can, it could get you something. So I just had to share. I couldn't, I couldn't help but not share, you know, you know how it goes. And on that note, oh my goodness. Uh, what do you what? Oh my goodness! What I'm bringing the band in? Is that okay to saying. bring the band in? Is that all you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Ah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, we told you how to reach us. Yes. We did.
0: Yeah. Uh, macgeekgab.com Com for the show notes. Feedback at MacGeekGab. Com for uh, your comments. And you can send audio that way. You can send video. Uh, you can send pictures. I don't know. I guess we get screenshots. For spatial way. futuristic rejections there you go anything you like we like it all uh i got my paperwork here i know there's stuff to to talk about but i you know i I have the agenda but i'm all what's going on here how come i how did i get to page three where's page two what'd you do john did you take page two away from me what's a page (laughs) we talked about baby (laughs) baby Uh, yeah, so the site has... The site, not the site. The podcast has been converted to AAC by Michael Johnston of iPhone Alley, a great place to get iPhone news. Uh, Cashfly Hosting is providing the bandwidth for you to download the podcast. And the podcast marketplace has the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from audible.com at audiblepodcast.com slash macgeekgab, text expander from smile on my Mac and harman-etravel.com uh, I think that's it we're, uh, we're good we can get out of here John so next week I the show certainly won't come Monday it oh. might come Tuesday you and I got to talk about that I sent you an email I'm, I'm at ad tech in San Francisco next week so flying in Monday flying out Friday what do they talk about uh, all kinds of stuff to do with advertising. The uh, oh, Association yeah. for Downloadable Media has a big presence there, so that'll be a lot of fun. Oh, nice.
1: And when you're there, Dave, please, don't get caught.
6: May not.